0: Alright, let's open up to the book of Luke chapter 10 please, verse number 38, Luke chapter 10 and verse 38, we're going to read down to the end of the chapter, Luke chapter 10 and verse number 38. I'd like to preach to you this morning a sermon called Sitting Before Serving. Sitting Before Serving. Verse number 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village. Now we know from other places in the Bible that village is Bethany, which is very close to Jerusalem. They went into a, entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now the fact that the word also is used shows that it's not just Mary and Martha in the house. There were several other people there as well. Verse 40, But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha. You know when he says it twice, (laughs) he's getting your attention, right? He doesn't do that often. There's just a handful of people in the Bible that get it twice. Abraham, Moses, Samuel, Simon, Martha. Jerusalem gets it twice. And every time, it's something important. Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. What does that mean? You're worried about stuff. You're anxious about stuff. I'm just using modern words so that you can maybe put yourself in the story. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we ask you please bless the sermon now. I pray that you might fill me with your spirit, give us all ears to hear. Father, we thank you for the great privilege of sitting at the feet of the Master. And Lord, that's our desire today, to sit at your feet, to hear your word. Please speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If I can perhaps present a slightly hypothetical situation to you. If Jesus were coming to town, and I mean physically now. If he were to announce that he's going to be passing through your village. And he's looking for a place to hold a service. And you had the privilege of receiving him into your home. What do you think the next few steps would be? Once once you know the master, the Messiah. Martha is obviously convinced that he is the Messiah. That's, That's the reason she's receiving him in. Martha and Mary, they're both on board with this. Martha has no doubt heard Jesus preach before, but now the privilege of receiving Him into her home. What do you do next? You invite people, right? Anybody want to hear Jesus preach? Come, imagine, imagine this morning, folks. I mean, again, this is why I say it's hypothetical. If if the Lord Jesus were to physically walk into the room, listen to me now, nothing else becomes important. Everybody is then seated. And what does he have to say? They're locked in at that point. All the other little things, all the other disturbances of the week, all the other troubles and cares, gone. The master's in the, in the room. What does he want to say? To sit at someone's feet is a phrase that is used to say... He's my rabbi. He's my teacher. I am an admiring student. That's what it means to sit at someone's feet. That is exactly how a disciple of Jesus Christ ought to be described. Sitting at Jesus' feet. Please teach me. Please speak to me. What an incredible privilege that Martha has. Martha was willing to receive Jesus into her home but not willing to sit down. Martha had a servant's heart. and Let me be careful here. Martha is not a wicked woman. Let's get that straight. She has no ill intentions. You see that? She's not trying to hurt anybody. She's not trying to despise her her master. She's trying to be helpful the best way she knows how. But she needed a little tweaking. Her relationship with Christ needed a little tweaking. It needed a little adjustment. She's not a wicked woman. As people are coming in and getting seated and getting settled in her home, she wants to be a good host. This is, I think, almost natural. It's, it's her home. So somebody sits down and she comes to him and says, "Oh, Would you like some tea? Do you want tea? I'm sorry. He actually said yes. I didn't expect that. This is hypothetical, man. Not Martha. Have no tea. What's this? What's this? Would you like some cookies too, while I'm at it? (laughs) He said yes. I love it. She comes to one person. Would you like tea? Can I bring you tea? And here's Jesus over here. Thus saith the Lord. My father said, "You're salt. You're light." Blessed are they, blessed are they. He's giving his sermon, and, and Martha, you need some tea. Do you need a refill? Are you comfortable? Are, oh, oh, you have a window seat. Is that okay? Is the sunlight coming? Is that a bit too much? Oh, oh, can you, can you, do you mind? Do you mind just moving over there? Can you switch with him? That would be so much better. Oh, can, can you hear okay? Can you hear okay? Are anybody in the back? Can you hear okay? Can you not see okay? Do you mind switching seats with them? And while Jesus is busy trying, To give the word, Martha, without trying to do anything wrong, is distracting everybody. You see, she has no ill intentions. She's trying to help. But but Martha, you have to sit before you can serve. There is a time for service. In John chapter 12, we find where Jesus again goes into this house and sits there for a meal. And the Bible says, Martha served. And there was no rebuke. There was no Martha, Martha. Because that was the time for service. There was no sermon going on. But we cannot underestimate how necessary it is to sit at the feet of Jesus. You cannot put a small price tag on that. And I believe that's the thrust of this story. If there's anything you want to go home Learning today and that nugget perhaps you want to grab onto is I must, I have to. It is of the utmost necessity to sit at Jesus' feet. I'll say this, at least Martha was in the house. There were probably a few people that got invited to this meeting that said, oh, that sounds very nice and I like that Jesus guy. I've heard him preach a few times. Not bad. But I, I got to go to the farm. I pray thee have me excused. I've I married a wife. I cannot come. You remember those? I, I'm not making those up. Those are biblical things, right? Those are biblical things. I bought some oxen. I got to go tend to them. I pray thee. I, at least Martha was there. Okay, so let's give her that. But Martha, you're not getting as much as you should out of this, this great privilege of having Jesus in the room. It's time to sit so that later you can serve properly. It says in verse number 40, Martha was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered is not a word we use much. That word, if you look all the way back to where it came from, its source, it meant this to be distracted. It meant to be, technically, if you really break it down, that word is, it means you're dragging things about. And there's there's a high probability, if you're anything like me, Monday to Saturday, you got all this stuff going on, and you dragged it with you into church on Sunday. And it's still on your heart and mind. And even though you may not physically be up moving about, checking on this, checking on that, in your mind, you're going through the checklist, I've got to do what, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. It's so easy for our attention to be led astray. And instead of, we are physically seated, we're in the right posture, you're seated, but perhaps your heart and mind are, is cumbered about much serving And in Martha's case, she's actually trying to serve the people that are in the room, trying to be a blessing. Perhaps your service is to something else out there, some secular thing, which may not be bad or sinful. It's just, it's not Jesus. And it's taking away from the time that you desperately need at the feet of Jesus. This word cumbered, it can mean distracted. It can be dragging other things with you that slows you down. Jesus uses it later on. In Luke chapter 13, there's a parable about a tree that is not bearing fruit. And one man comes and says, let's cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? In other words, you are cluttering up the ground. You're troubling the ground. You're taking up space but not accomplishing anything. There are a lot of things in our lives that are just taking up space and not helping us. Our lives are way too cluttered, and it stops us from seeing what really needs to be done. Martha, yes, it's nice to get tea and, you know, get somebody closer to the window and closer to the front, and your help you're trying to help, but is it needful? Or is it just something to keep you busy? Perhaps just cumbered. It says in verse 41. Jesus says to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about. What are the next two words? Many things. How many things are you cumbered about? Since the sermon started, how many things have you thought of that are not related to this sermon? (laughs) That's just life. That's humanity. It's so easy for our attention to get pulled in this direction and that. The mind tends to wander What, what really worries me about Martha here, and like I said, please don't think that Martha's the villain. She's not. Martha has the right intentions. It's just timing that's wrong. Does that make sense? It's just the timing's not right. But look at what happens if Martha doesn't learn to sit down. If she just goes on serving without sitting. Look at what happens in verse 40. She was comforted about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? Martha, don't go there. Do do you see the bitterness starting to creep in? This, this This is what we would call the root of bitterness. This isn't the tree with the fruit. This isn't her getting ugly or nasty or mean, but this is where it starts. She's so busy serving, she's underestimating the need to sit at Jesus' feet and hear His words. And now she's starting to get slightly, ever so slightly bitter at the Lord. Lord, don't you care about what I'm doing? We should be far more concerned with what the Lord is doing. Lord, what about my service? And and look what happens next. Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Now Martha's bossing him around. (laughs) We start to pray. And our prayers get sideways. Our prayers go pear-shaped. Because we start actually getting angry at other people that are in the church because they're not doing as much as me. There's a time to serve, yes, but there's a time to sit. And if you sit at Jesus' feet, it will help you properly estimate and understand and appreciate the other people sitting At Jesus' feet and prevent you from becoming bitter at the Lord and at those people. Why aren't they doing as much as me? Let's be careful about our expectations. There was only one expectation, verse 42 one thing is needful. Martha has other expectations. Everybody has to get tea. Everybody has to be seated right where they need to. Everybody needs a blanket. Everybody needs this. Those are Martha's expectations. That's what she thinks needs to happen. What needs to happen, the one thing that needed to happen that morning is people needed to sit down, push everything else aside, focus in, ears to hear, please God, speak to my heart. Everything else can wait. They needed to sit Before they could serve. So I want to get us out of verse 38, 39, 40, 41. And again, I I don't think Martha's the villain. But we do get trapped in those verses. Right? Because it's just human nature to get caught up and entangled with the affairs of this life. And drag it with us. And get distracted and get cluttered. Every disciple needs to find themselves in verse 42. So my sermon today... I gave you a kind of a long opening, uh, a long opening remark here, but my sermon is coming from verse 42 because this is where we need to find ourselves. There's three things I want to show you in this verse. Verse 42, number one, it says, one thing is needful. It is needful. Does this mean that the only thing we need to do in the Christian life is sit and listen to sermons? Obviously not. There's a time for service. But at this particular time, in this context, in this scenario, tea and blankets and windows and cookies and rusks and budovores and druvores, none of that is important. At this particular time, one thing is needful, just one. You cannot go without it. It is not, it is not an elective. It's not subjective if, if you feel like it. or No, no, you need it. It is absolutely necessary. It is needful. One thing is needful, Martha. We need to get better at, de- de- at determining what is needful in our lives. Amen? Just just go back. Think of the last week that you've gone through. How many of, how many of the things you did was, was just needful? Um, there is a time to do things just for leisure. Please don't get me wrong. I, I'm not preaching against that. There's a time to relax but do but you realize how cluttered our lives get doing things that don't need to be done? It's just a waste of time and energy. One thing is needful. We get so tired from doing the things we don't need to do when it's time to do the thing we need to do, we don't feel like doing it. We have wasted all of our energy so that when we get to church, we're so worn out emotionally, physically, spiritually, we don't have enough gusto to sit in church and get out of it what we need. And, and, and might I just broaden this out a bit this passage is not just about coming to church sitting at jesus feet should happen every day it is needful every day and this is one of the wonderful things about the holy spirit and the bible jesus can literally come to your place every day and it's needful it is absolutely necessary what did jesus tell us about this he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, which tells me that if you do not hear something at the feet of Jesus, you're not living. You're dying. You understand what death is? You say, Death is when you stop breathing. That's physical stuff. Death goes way deeper than that. Death is the absence of life. Where does life come from? God. The Bible says, and this is the record that God gave of his son. It said, and in his his son is life. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Therefore, to live a life that is not centered from and springing out of the words of Christ, you're not living, you're dying. 1 Timothy chapter 5 talked about a young lady who's a widow. And then instead of walking by faith and expecting God to take care of her, she goes off abusing the support of the church. And Paul said, she who lives in pleasure is dead while she yet lives. She's still physically alive, but living a life that is separated from the Word of God. So what is needful? You say, i got to eat. Yes, and you, you... More than that, you've got to have the words of God. Because, watch this now, if you sit before you serve, you hear what you're supposed to do. Does that make sense? And I also hear the way I need to do it. And I also hear what I should expect from others. And I hear how to take care of any problems that might arise from others. If I start off sitting at Jesus' feet, whether that's daily in my Bible reading, whether that's bowing before Him in prayer, shutting the door to my closet, hearing the voice of my shepherd, right? I need that time at Jesus' feet, whether that's on a Thursday night or a Sunday morning or Bible school or wherever you can get it. Say, Jesus, please, I need direction. I need you to tell me how to go about my day. And if I'm not doing it the way you expect me to do it, I'm wasting my time. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Lord, I need it. It is needful. Give us this day our daily bread. That's good. That's a good prayer just for your food, but also for your food. Lord, I need it. Question, do, do you need an education? Like secular education? Do you need one? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly, if you're going to function in this world at any sort of level, you need an education, right? Don't be, that's not a trick question. Some of you look like, uh, he's leading us down here. No, I'm not leading you anywhere. It, you need an education, right? And, and how much effort do we put into getting our kids educated? Quite a bit, right? Again, I'm not, I'm not condemning you for that, commending you for that, get your kids educated, But then how much more important would it be to get a Bible education? Why isn't there a great effort to find ourselves at the feet of Jesus Christ saying, I need this. This one thing is needful. So my kids have to get an education. Amen. Good. If it's needful, make sure they get it. This, this is needful. Make sure you get it. It's needful. You go to the doctor and the doctor gives you the report and says, Listen, man, things aren't looking good. You're falling apart. And in order for things to come right, you need this medicine. You need this exercise. And all of a sudden, you find yourself eating things you never thought you would eat. You're saying no to things you never thought you'd say no to. You're going to the gym or whatever kind of exercise you choose to do, and you never thought you'd do those things. You find muscles you never thought you had. I didn't know I could hurt there. There's a muscle there, right? You know why we do all of that? Because the doctor said it was needful, right? The doctor said, if you want to live any sort of a productive, satisfying life, this is needful. So you know what we do? Yes, sir, Mr. Doctor, whatever you say, Mr. Doctor, and we pay him money to sit at his feet and have him teach us how to live a physical life. Again, not condemning it. Thank God for doctors. Amen. But but then when the great physician steps in the room and says, I'm going to tell you how to live. Should we not jump with the same vigor? Should we not have the same zeal to say, okay, whatever needs to change. I never thought I would say something like that. Never thought I'd do those kind of things. Never thought I'd devote so much time to this. Never thought I'd go to this and that kind of place. But he said it was needful. So if he told me I need to do it, I'll change my whole life around because I trust the diagnosis of the great physician. You see, Jesus is not asking us to do something that he himself did not do. Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge And my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. He said, the things that I speak and the things that I do, I'm saying it and doing it by the Father's command. Jesus waited for His Father to speak, and then Jesus went about speaking and doing according to the Father's word. One thing is needful. We cannot go without it. The next thing. In verse number 42, one thing is needful, and then he says, and Mary hath chosen that good part. Mary chose it. She could have gone elsewhere. She had a choice. Do you see that? She could have said, well, I need to go buy groceries. She could have said, this isn't a good time for me. She could have said, it's too cold. (laughs) Sorry, I know that's getting right down here on our level, but... (laughs) She could have come up with any sort of for school and any sort of excuse, but rather she chose to be there. Do you realize that sitting in the room because you were dragged here is very different than choosing, getting up and saying, I want to go there. Mary chose that good part. She chose it. Mary was there to listen and to learn so that she could apply what she was going to hear. Martha invited him in, but what is she getting from this? She chose what? She chose to let him in, but she also chose not to listen. You know what I think happened though? We don't have verse 43 to tell us this, but I think this is a fair conclusion. I'm not trying to add to the Bible. You know that, right? But, but I think this is a fair conclusion. After verse 41, Martha, Martha. Mary's chosen the good part. It won't be taken from her. What's the next thing Martha does? Pulls up a chair and says, okay, I'm sorry, everybody. I'll take a seat. And sits right down and says, I, I'm tuned in now. I'll listen. She just needed to, for somebody to gently point out, you're not getting as much from this as you should. You need to tune in a little closer. You need to do more about this. And what if Martha would have said after the service, hey, Jesus is coming next week. And he'll be here for three hours teaching. What do you think the right response is then? Oh, well, I need to be there. It's a choice. Every week, every morning, every... Guys, as you go through your day, it is a choice to submit yourself, to put yourself humbly at the feet of Jesus and say, I need direction. When we read that it's a choice, this speaks to the intentions of the heart. This, this tells us something about what Mary's trying to get out of it. I think back to the days of when the Lord called my wife and I to go to Bible school. There was something special about showing up to Bible school and going to that first orientation class because we got to meet, we started off with 80 men in the class. Over the next three years, it dwindled down to 35, Life happens. Sin happens. Amen. Sometimes it's life, sometimes it's sin, sometimes it's both. But we're all sitting in that class. You know what was so special about it? None of us were from Pensacola. That's where the Bible school was. All of us had to quit jobs, pack up our families, and move to a different town. We moved 10 hours away. And we weren't nearly the farthest ones. People had come from across the country. Some people came, you met them. Nico Verhoef came from the Netherlands to be in the Bible school. You know what they did? All of them. They made a choice. And there's something about, there's something sweet. There's something intense. There's something intimate about a person who has willingly put everything else aside. They could have been doing other things. They maybe even had invitations to do other things. But they said no to that and chose this. For three years to go to work every day, work eight to ten hours every day, and sit in that Bible school classroom for four hours every night, it was by choice. No one was twisting our arm. We paid money to get to do it. But there's something sweet about that. There's something that binds you together. In a sweet way, and guys, we can have that in church as well. You may not have you may not have to come from two or three hours away, but every Sunday you have to choose to come, not only and physically sit in the seat, but with that hungry attitude of God. I, I, I this is needful. I've been invited. I want to take you up on this offer. There was a family in that church there where I went to Bible school named the Dickmans. Peggy Dickman was the wife's name. Do you remember? Brother Dickman, I think his first name was Brother. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Brother Brother Dickman. They had a ministry of they they printed up scripture signs, and they would they signed people up in the church. They would go around and post these scripture signs in people's yards, so that you could drive around that town and and read Bible. Almost everywhere you went, and our members were spread out. We're 800 people in the church, so you could see scripture boards everywhere, and we called them Dickman's scripture signs. So they were just every every month, he had men that would go rotate the signs so that people would be reading different scriptures. What an excellent ministry! That man did that for I don't know 30, 40 years. He had to drive two hours one way to come to church. You know what he did? Because he He would drive two hours to get there for Sunday school, sit through Sunday school, main service. But it was too far to drive home and then drive back, but he would never miss a Sunday evening service, ever. He bought a small, beat-up little mobile home and parked it right next to the church so that he could stay there on Sunday afternoon so that he could be there for Sunday night. And I'm telling you, folks, when you walked into church on Sunday night and you saw the Dickmans sitting there in their 70s, Holding hands, smiling, they had the glow of God on them. You know why? They chose that good part. No one forced them. No one forced them. They were there because they wanted to be there. Tomorrow morning, before you go to work, before you go to school, before you go on holiday, whatever tomorrow holds for you, make that choice. I want to hear from my Savior. Lord, please speak to me. I don't want to just read the chapter to to get it out of the way. I don't want to just pray these prayers that I've prayed a hundred times before to get it out of the way. Here I am, Lord. Shut the door. I want to hear. I want to sit at your feet. You have to make that choice. And then lastly, verse 42 says this, One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. There is a permanence. There is a permanence. It was needful, she chose it, and there is a permanence. When you approach the words of Christ properly, it will permanently change you. Now, here's, you gotta be careful here because how many times have we come to church, heard something, and then it quickly slips our mind as we leave the building, right? I get it, I'm human, I'm in the same category, I got the same problems. But there is some things we can do to mitigate that a little bit. The Bible says this Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. Right? Be established. The Bible says through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Everything we see around us in nature works. It's not chaos, right? That's evidence that it's not evolution, it's a creator. that that gave it order, that gave it structure, that said, you go here and you follow that, and you rise and fall, and there's there's order. There's not chaos. Where did they get that order? Why does it constantly work? Why doesn't the world just blow up? The Word of God. The Word of God established it. So the Bible says, The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath He established the heavens. You know why so so many people's lives blow up and end up in utter chaos and confusion because it's not established, it's not founded on the Word of God. But the heavens and the earth were founded, framed by the Word of God, and that's why it continually works. That's why it doesn't just blow up. All things are held together by the Word of His power. That's true of your life if you'll let it. If you come and just hear the sermon go out with no intentions of applying what you've heard, that good part will not only be taken away from you, you're you're basically forfeiting it. But when you sit in that service, or when you open your Bible in the morning, when you hear from God in prayer, when you choose to take on that needful thing, Lord, change me. What you're doing is saying, God, I want to be established. I want to build a house on a rock. Not on the sinking sand. The rock, are the, it is the words of Christ. Lord, I'm not going to take a step until I've heard from you. What did Jesus say about his preaching? Sower went out to sow. Some of it fell by the wayside. Why? Because some people are in the service, but they're not listening. And immediately the fowls of the air are just going to grab that, and it's not going to make any difference in their life. It, it will be taken away from them. But then there's another crowd. They have stony ground. They're shallow. The seed hits the ground. Listen, it it hits their heart. It hits their ears, but it doesn't go very deep. There's a bunch of stones there. They they didn't prepare the ground. If you're going to come to church, if you're choosing to do so, you would remove the rocks before the seed hits it. So that crowd came, but they weren't ready for it. They had no intentions, listen to this, they had no intentions of making any long-term decisions. None. So they come into the service and they go, ooh, that was good. Yo, I saw that seed hitting and man, yo, that sounds right. And as soon as they get out there and things get tough, done. The sun scorches the seed and nothing comes of it. Why? Shallow. Shallow and it's taken from them. But then you get other people that come, and boy, they're listening. They love the Lord. And the seed falls, and the seed is able to take root, and the seed starts to grow, but then they get cumbered, and careful, and troubled with many things, and these cares of this world, and the pleasures of this life, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it's taken from them. And they can't bring forth fruit unto perfection. They got distracted. They got entangled by the affairs of this life. Martha, sit down. Let Jesus tell you what you don't need in your life. You got to do some weeding. You got to... And listen, once the seed falls and the fruit starts to come up, you have to keep going back out to that garden and keep pulling the weeds. If you know anything about weeds, weeds don't give up. (laughs) They keep a-coming and a-coming and a-coming and a-coming. They're all over the place. That's why Jesus in that other parable said the wicked one comes in and sows the tares in the middle of the night. I think he does that with weeds in our garden. (laughs) I pulled them out and the next day, poom, they're there. That was the devil. (laughs) Listen, the person who sits at Jesus' feet who chooses to be there, knows that it's needful, you know what that person is going to do? Take care of the garden. Once that seed falls in, that person says, I came so that the word could change me. I didn't come just to sit there for an hour and say, well, at least I did that. I came so that I could learn, so that I could do. I sat so that I could serve. Now, in order to serve Him fully and properly, I know that thorns are going to come up. I know these things are going to happen. So as the week goes on, I'm going to be careful to get those things out of my heart, to keep these distractions out of my life so that fruit can come up 30, 60, 100-fold to please my Savior. You see, the person that understands how necessary it is and chooses to sit there won't have the words taken from them because they're going to make sure after they leave not only to apply it, but to see it through. Mary chose that good part. It wasn't a temporary choice. You know what Mary did? Mary sat there and listened to the words of Christ, yes? When you read a few months later that Jesus enters into their house again, the Bible says they were having a meal, Martha served. You know what Mary was doing? She wasn't sitting at the Savior's feet. She was washing them and anointing them, getting him ready for his burial. You guys remember that? There she she is again at the Master's feet. That's where you want to be. You know where we're going to be for all eternity, right? At the Master's feet. That's where you want to be. And there she is again at the Master's feet Weeping, pouring pouring on the oil, anointing. The Bible says also not only his feet, but also anointed his head. Why? Getting him ready for his burial. Did you know not one other disciple had that much faith? The other disciple said, what are you doing? You're wasting this. He said he's about to die. Mary was able to take the appropriate action... Because she had sat at his feet and listened to his words and believed them. The right kind of service came from sitting down and listening. And when the opportunity presented itself, she sprung to action and said, here's my chance. Everybody else thinks the Messiah won't die, but the Messiah said he'd die. So I, even though it's not our culture, it's not our religious history to believe this, I'm going to anoint him. And get him ready for his burial, even though he's not even dead. You know how creepy that can be? To get somebody ready for their burial and they're not dead yet? That's just all sorts of creepy. (laughs) You realize how much faith that takes? That's how much she thought of the words coming out of Jesus' mouth. You know what Jesus said about her? Wherever this gospel is preached... Tell the story of what Mary has done. That good part will never be taken from her. Because she put a high price tag on sitting at Jesus' feet. Now how about you this morning? Are you Mary? Are you Martha? Or perhaps are you one of those folks that didn't even take time to come in on the invitation and sit and listen. Perhaps a wayside, perhaps the stony ground. What are you doing with what you've received today? Not, not for guys, not, not from me. I, ho- I hope today you came to hear from the Lord. I hope you understand. As I, sta- as I prepared for this, I felt so unworthy and, and, and hesitant. Because here you are seated. And my goodness, there's no way I can take the place of Jesus giving you the word. But a vessel I am. And I'm I'm not sufficient of myself. I get that. But as best I can, I've tried to deliver you the words of Christ this morning. And now it's up to you to make a choice. How far am I going to take it? I don't want this word to fall into bad ground. I want to keep the ground good so that the fruit comes out. And puts a smile on my Savior's face. Let's all stand please. Heads bowed and eyes closed. You've been seated. Now it's time to stand. Before you rush off. The piano plays softly. I want you to take a moment and just think. Think now. Your eyes are closed. Heads are bowed. Just This is a, as private a moment as we can make it. Tomorrow morning, are you going to sit at his feet? This afternoon, you want to take some time at his feet? Before you rush off to work, before you drive off to go to some other place, do some other thing, let the Lord speak to you. He might just tell you, enjoy that time away, (laughs) and then you can really enjoy it. He might tell you to sit down and rest. You need a break. He might tell you that the way you're going about it is wrong and there's a better way to do that as a disciple of Christ it all starts at his feet humbled yielded ears to hear You know, if you've never been saved, you know where life is going to start for you, where where your new birth will come from? You come to the cross, bow the knee, and you're right there at at the feet of Jesus. You're right there. That's where it starts. Lord, I want to sit at your feet. You tell me how to live. I am not smart enough to run my own life. I am not good enough to save my own soul. I want to be your disciple. Folks, it's a choice. It's a choice. You say, well, so-and-so, you know, I see them come to church and they don't do this. And they, uh, don't, uh, Martha, don't worry about what Mary's doing. You just sit at the Savior's feet. You let Jesus take care of Martha. You be a Mary. Martha, you'll get your chance to serve. Father, what a privilege it is to get to bow at your feet to hear from you daily to think that you our great king our savior our maker would take time daily to speak to us father might we admit to you we, we don't know how to go about our day our ways are not established unless you give us your word we don't want our lives to be chaos please order our steps according to thy word thank you Lord for letting us spend a few moments today at your feet Lord don't please Lord might we leave knowing that we've heard from you and we'll never regret Lord we'll never regret the time we took at your feet help us to do something with it and we ask it in Jesus name, Amen